Marilyn Monroe. Remember when everything meant so much? When you felt whatever it was you were feeling had never been felt by anyone else? Remember the yearning? She was my first. Not bad for a boy of fifteen, awaking one Saturday morning preparing for his inauguration. It had taken a while for me to save enough from my allowance and the birthday dollars from my uncle's, which I rolled tightly in a rubber band and hid behind the radiator in my room, but I was determined. When I had the necessary amount, I adjusted my wings, bolted from my small house in Bayonne, New Jersey, for Journal Square in Newark, and flew, so to speak, on a bus to the Port Authority Terminal in New York City for the first time. It was the winter of 1953. Dwight D. Eisenhower had just delivered his first inaugural address. Our borders were safe and we were at peace. But I hardly noticed. Inside my head there were larger issues at stake. I thought then that New York City meant only Times Square. Somehow I believed that if I went too far north, south, east, or west, I would fall into the ocean or hit a mountain. So I wandered the streets from 42nd to 50th between 7th and 8th Avenues, unaware of what lay beyond, and equally unaware of what I was looking for. I didn't have much time. If lightning was going to strike, it would have to be by sundown, when I would need to be back home before being missed. Late in the afternoon, as it was growing dark, I was racing back to the Port Authority, disappointed, my head down against the icy wind. Coming slowly toward me on a side street was a long black limousine. When it stopped, the driver jumped out, came around to open the curbside back door, and as he did, he put his other hand out, palm up, to block my way, just so the passenger's path would be clear and undisturbed. From inside the darkness, a white-gloved hand reached out for help, and it was given. Then came a face of dizzying beauty, the head slightly lowered to avoid disrupting the spun gold-blonde hair, caressing a white fox collar clutched close to a milky-white throat. As she emerged fully, a long white coat emerging with her like hot steam freeing itself from inside an open shower door, my heart began to pound. Once fully standing on the street, she let go of the collar, allowing the coat to fall free, and exposing a body encased in a full-length skin-tight gown made of what looked like tiny white pearls, seemingly flung at her in wild abandon and clinging to every pore. Around her neck, over her wrists, and on her ears were brightly sparkling diamonds. She lifted one of her gloved hands, felt for the necklace, and with the other reached for the side of her coat, pushing it back to reveal still more of her. And my pulse raced faster. She turned briefly to her right, saw me standing there, smiled like a sunbeam, and said in a soft whisper, Hi. Then she glided up some steps into a building, and flashes of light obliterated her from my sight. I returned to the Port Authority and sat trembling on my bus as it transported me back home. An indefinable yearning to free myself from a life I instinctively felt was killing my soul had caused me to venture forth that day without guidance or direction, not so much from bravery as from desperation. 
I was a small skinny kid in horn-rimmed glasses, born into a middle-class Italian family, feeling always as if I didn't belong there, as if I were in a prison, incarcerated for crimes unknown to me. At twenty-seven years of age, Marilyn Monroe had, I'm certain, awakened that morning yearning for something she too could not define, a tortured soul that I saw only as a beautiful woman and a movie star. What were the odds of this chance encounter? Had I turned the corner sixty seconds later, or had her car caught a light and been delayed, it would not have happened. She was my first. Someone existing outside my prison walls. An ineffable creature, stopping for an instant, looking directly into the eyes of a fifteen-year-old boy, smiling, and speaking just one word. One was enough. Lightning had struck.